20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on X at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Great show lined up for you today. We're going to primarily be talking about Brian Gutekinst and his press conference and some of the key takeaways from that. Uh, before we get there, uh, one, a spoiler, I uh, wanted to let you know that I am going to be doing dual episodes today. I did want to chime in on the T. Higgins conversation. I figured rather than doing one huge uh, podcast today, I'll split them up into two and we'll see how it does and try a little bit different today. So keep an eye out for that T. Higgins podcast as well. But today, again, we're going to be talking about the Brian Gudikins press conference and all the key takeaways from that as our primary topic on this episode. Before we do get there, though, I wanted to start off with the passing of Cherry Star. I've never had the opportunity to meet Cherry. Uh, obviously, um, so much of the star's impact was prior to my time. She was considered by many to be the first lady of the Green Bay Packers, had a massive impact on the Packers organization, had a massive impact within the Green Bay community. And I know she meant a lot to a lot of people. Only interaction, not interaction, but the only time I really ever even had anything close to an interaction with Cherry Star is I was sitting in about the third row and she, you know, obviously walked out of the tunnel and then walked back and just the the presence that she carried herself with, by all accounts, one of the great human beings along with Bart as well. It does feel like the end of an era in some capacity. Obviously, Bart had already passed away. Now with the passing of Cherry, she carried on so much of his legacy and all of the thing, you know, good things that he did within the community and all those things. Um, and now obviously, you know, with her passing away, it does feel like that end of an era. So may she rest in peace. Um, I hope, uh, you know, everyone that knows her has the opportunity to reflect upon that. Um, I know it's going to be a very hard time for the Star family, and it's a really difficult time for those in the Packers community that she's made such a huge impact on. So again, may she rest in peace. There's no easy way to transition off of that. Obviously, devastating news. And, um, you know, we still obviously have a, a podcast to go over and a, a Packers day to cover. So we will move on and transition on. Before we get to our main topic, one other thing that I did want to discuss is the Packers did, in fact, raise ticket prices. If you're a season ticket holder, you already got the email. You can find all the news on Packers.com and a variety of other places. Uh, not a huge um, take that I have on this. I would. I don't have the numbers, the statistics. I don't know that anyone's done a deep dive into this. It does feel like we are getting further and further into a stratosphere of ticket prices where you start seeing more and more, you know, fans selling tickets online. It does feel like you are seeing more and more opposing fans at every single game, you know, year in and year out. Like two of the biggest uh, attended away games uh, are like team presences in Lambeau Field from away teams that I feel like I've ever saw was this past season. And it just seems to kind of be getting that way more and more year after year. I can't prove and, and say with any level of certainty that that is due to rising ticket costs. I can't. I have no idea. Uh, it's quite possible that if tickets were lower, the exact same thing would happen. It's possible if they were higher, maybe it would be less. I don't know. Uh, I have not crunched the numbers. I do not have the scientific or mathematical data on it. So I can't back that claim up. I, I do feel like, again, this is why I don't have a strong take on it. One, I don't have anything to back it up legitimately. You know, legitimately. Um, two, is I, I get it on both sides. I, I can understand those that are frustrated with the continuing rise of, of the cost of tickets and 
you know, to bring a family of four or even just, you know, yourself and your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband or whoever it might be to a game is getting uh, to be a pretty exorbitant cost. Not only that, but obviously the food within the game and everything that you do around it, parking, if you do that, it can add up extremely fast. And I, I feel for people that want to go and cheer on their favorite team and, and maybe just don't have the means to do so. At the same time, I also understand that the Packers are a business. I understand that they could rise it the, the, the cost of prices exponentially more, and they're still selling out that thing every single week. I also know that even with them raising prices, the price of most tickets are going to be more on the, you know, the, the black market or, you know, the Ebays or the, you know, ticket stars, ticket hubs, ticket masters, all of those things of the world. And you end up with those companies getting a, a bigger chunk of it. So I don't have, uh, like I said, a, a huge take on this one way or the other. I, I just know that, you know, tickets are going up. It it just seems to be the, the, the going way of things. I understand why the Packers are doing it. And hopefully it just doesn't affect the game day experience all that much. I want fans who want to be standing at the game, cheering at the game to be able to go to the game and not have to think of like, all right, what do I have to skip out on or miss on if I'm going to go to the game or I just can't go to the game because I can't afford it. I think sometimes you might end up in situations where the fans that you want inside the stadium, unfortunately can't go uh, because it, it might just not be financially reasonable for them to do so. And that sort of sucks. But uh, from a Packers standpoint, guess what? In order for this team to stay you know, fiscally responsible and continue to have all the money that they want to be able to put in those huge signing bonuses and have that money up front. It, listen, the sledding hill is great. They're not going to sell enough tickets at that sledding hill to make up for all that stuff. And all the cost of that stuff goes up and you have to compete with the Dallas Cowboys of the world and uh, all the, the, the teams that can print money in bigger markets. And Green Bay has to stay with that. And they've got a huge stadium with a ton of capacity and uh, unsatiable thirst of Packer fans who want to spend money on that experience. And sometimes now away fans who want to spend money on that experience. I think my ultimate take on it is it is what it is. I don't think there's anything you can do to really get away from it, but I just hope it doesn't affect things too much for those who, you know, you, like I said, the fans that you really want at those games, screaming at the top of their lungs, standing up, hopefully screaming only on, you know, defense and not on offense, but you get the point. I'll leave it at that. All right, let's talk about, Brian Gutekunst and his moments at the, you know, in Indianapolis at the NFL scouting combine, he had a, you know, public 15 minute press conference. And then prior to that, he met with local reporters. As you can tell, I am, at least of those of you who are watching on YouTube, I am still in my office. I am not in Indianapolis. Uh, so shout out to all of the Packer reporters who were there, the Matt Schneidmans, the Rob Domovskis. Uh, Tom Silverstein, all of them who covered it so that we could kind of go over some of these key takeaways in detail, obviously had the ability to listen to the uh, press conference, the 15 minute, there wasn't a ton in that, but we'll go over everything today. All the key takeaways from Brian. I think there's some really interesting stuff, some nondescript stuff as well, but I want to talk first about defense and competition. If you listen to my episode yesterday, I said one of my takeaways from 2023 that needs to take, you know, that needs to take over and carry over into 2024 is the competition. And it was perfect proof in the offensive line where they utilize some of those competitions at left tackle and right guard. 
I don't, I think there was a time where it, it came towards the end of the year where they needed to end a couple of those competitions because Rashid Walker and really by the end of the year, John Runyon Jr. were just playing better. And they did uh, with Rashid. They gave him the starting spot and stopped playing Yash. Uh, the other one maintained the rotation through the end of the season. But overall, the, the competition really helped the offensive line. I think the competition at the wide receiver room, just having guys that were pushing everyone else, you had six guys that were legitimate you know, players that could go in and at any given moment and, and really push all of the other wide receivers to be better because if they screwed something up or didn't do their job, they had five other guys that they could go to to fill that spot. I think all of the competition on offense really proved super fruitful and was a real reason why Green Bay had so much success, especially at the end of the year offensively. Well, if you want some key takeaways from Brian Gutekunst and his press conference on Tuesday, well, let's start with competition. One of his key quotes was, quote, we need to fill each room with enough competition that the guys feel like, that they can grow like our offense did this past year. Sorry, that they can feel that and grow like our offense did this past year. So he wants his, his roster as a whole, and specifically on the defensive side of the ball, to have enough competition that the guys feel it, that they feel the pressure, they feel the competition mounting, they feel like they have to be at their absolute best, just like the offense was this past year. And that was one of the things that came up over and over and over. He talked about competition in all phases. He talked about the defense, again, really taking after the offense and what they did last year. I think he truly believes that the blueprint of what this offense did last year with the competition at all these different positions and giving these players the opportunities to grow is what he wants and envisions for this defensive takeover with Jeff Halfley taking over and probably adding a bunch of talent to this defensive room. I think he sees, again, the success of offense 2023 and says, we need to do that exact same thing, follow that exact same blueprint in 2024. In 2023, a major changeover on the offensive side of the ball. Jordan Love takes over at quarterback. You jettison a ton of veterans. David Bakhtiari injured after week one. You're going with new offensive linemen. You're going with new wide receivers. You're going with new tight ends. Aaron Jones goes out. It was an offense that was entirely in flux. And there was a lot of talk of like, oh, you need, you know, some some veterans and stuff. No, they they brought in a ton of rookies, younger players, and they gave them that opportunity to grow. And what, again, I got out of Brian Gutekunst from him talking was he wants a similar structure now on defense. It is going to be a huge turnover year on the defensive side of the ball. They hire a new defensive coordinator. That safety room needs a makeover. The cornerback room is going to get, uh, in my opinion, some, some new bodies in that room. Linebacker probably not only gets some changes, but they're going to that 4-3 defense, three off-ball linebackers. I think we're going to see a significant amount of change, and I think with that change is going to come competition. With that competition is going to what hopefully becomes growth, which is what Brian Gutekinds is hoping to see. And like I said, I think that same blueprint of offense, 2023, is what he's hoping to follow for the defense in 2024. The other thing that I think was important here to take away from the defensive side of the ball was he was talking about that 4-3 defense and you know talking about different players and you know skill sets and things like that. One of the things I was so impressed with with Jeff Halfley in his press conference was him talking about, you know, yes, they have their core concepts that they want, but it's going to be dependent upon their own personnel. It's going to be dependent upon what the offense across from them wants to be able to do and accomplish. And he's going to have to build things around that. And that versatility is going to be really important. 
the ability to, you know, improvise, the ability to really counter whatever the opposing team is trying to do with the while putting your players in the best position to succeed is going to be ultra important. But this is what Brian Gudikin said. He said, Jeff Halfley, quote, wants versatile guys who can do a lot of different things. This tells me that you know, I, at some point, the NFL might get to a little bit more positionless defense where you've just got 11 guys that are in the 6'3", you know, 240 range and everyone's just flying around. Obviously, corners are probably always going to be a little bit different, but you get my point. Everyone's going to maybe start, you know, getting into the same height, weight sort of threshold and everyone's just going to be flying around the ball. I don't think we're quite there yet, but at the same token, I do believe that this all goes hand in hand, that Jeff Halfley recognizes and realizes, hey, I just need dudes who can go out and play football and make them as versatile as possible. And I think that is going to speak volumes of what we're going to see out of this defense with Jeff Halfley. He went over it in his press conference. Brian Gutekinds echoed those same sentiments with the versatility that Jeff Halfley wants out of his players. And I think this is going to make for a much more moldable defense for Jeff Halfley. And what we saw from Joe Barry was this very rigid, I want this size edge rushers and we're going to play this style of defense and we're going to have two safeties high no matter what. We're not going to do a ton of blitzing. We're going to play a ton of bend but don't break. And it was sort of the same rigid thing. And quite frankly, I was done with that. And clearly so were the Packers. And they've gone in a very different direction. And instead, I think you're going to have this amoeba. And I think you're going to have a defense that is going to be able to do a variety of different things based upon their own personnel, what the opponent against them is trying to do. And well, meanwhile, having all this versatility, hopefully on the field and the players that Brian Gutekinds is able to acquire. So key takeaways on the defensive side of the ball, it's not necessarily going to be a huge change up for the different type of players that Brian Gutekinds is looking for, but it is clear that Jeff Halfley wants versatility and it is very, very abundantly clear that Brian Gutekinds loved the competition on the team in 2023, specifically on the offensive side of the ball and wants to continue that defensively in 2024. In addition, he was asked if they needed a veteran at safety, and he said he does not believe that a veteran at safety is a necessity, and he pointed to the offensive side of the ball last year. I talked about this very same thing yesterday, and I said, you know, with everyone wanting this veteran, you know, safety and defensive back group and all these new players and free agency on defense, I said, we said the exact same thing last year on offense. Well, Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis are leaving. They better get a veteran tight end. And they're moving on from Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins. They better go out and get a veteran wide receiver. And Goody said, nope, I'm getting three rookies, you know, at wide receiver. I'm going to go and get, you know, including obviously, uh, you know, Malik Heath, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, and then get, gets Grant Dubose as well. He went the rookie route. At tight end, I'm going to go get two rookies at tight end, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, and then claim uh, Ben Sims, an undrafted free agent rookie off of waivers from the Vikings to add another rookie to that group. And it was really freaking good. Like it was, it was awesome to watch how all those players melded with the rest of the offense and Jordan Love grew throughout the course of the season. And it was great. Now, Goody has not done always as great in the defensive backfield. And I do think he needs to be careful. Um, with how he builds out this secondary and making sure that he does have players that are viable to come in and start on day one, because it's great to spend some draft picks in that secondary. But if you don't get the right guys, 
you're really scrambling and you could be in a situation where you just don't have the pieces that you need to succeed defensively. And I think it's really important for this Jeff Halfley defense to get off to a strong start. If you want everyone to get buy-in into Jeff Halfley's system and to him as a defensive coordinator, getting it off to a strong start and giving him the pieces that he needs to be successful is going to be important. When I say the pieces to be successful, I don't mean that he needs this style of player and he has to have a dynamic 1A post safety. I'm not saying that, but you need to give him some safeties like that can go out and play in our starting caliber players if you want this system to work. I think it's going to be imperative that Goody does that, but at the same token, Again, he does deserve some benefit of the doubt that if he thinks his best way to build that safety room is through the draft, I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt and say, all right, I trust you. I believe you because you just did it at wide receiver and tight end a season ago. And he echoed that same thing saying, I don't necessarily believe we need a veteran. It's not necessarily a necessity. By the way, I don't think that means anything like it, it, it's not a tell that he's not going to go shopping for safeties and free agency. I think you will. I really legitimately do. And it's, this is possibly more of just not wanting to tip his hand and saying what he's going to do in free agency. But uh, I do believe him to the same token of that he believes that if he needs to build that position through the draft, I believe he probably believes that he can do that. And we're just going to have to kind of wait and see to see what actually happens there. He was also asked if you know Green Bay needed to go out and spend to win right now and, and kind of asked about that win now mentality. And he talked about not being one player away, doesn't think of it that way. And what he kind of defined it as was he's not looking in like a a win now mentality. He's looking to try to find difference makers in any way that he can. And, you know, I don't think he necessarily looks at it as a, you know, we're in a a win now window, but he clearly wants to try to find as many difference makers as he can, as every GM ultimately wants to do. And I, I tend to believe him here. I tend to think that this is the right way of going about things specifically in 2024, I think you get in a bad situation right now if you all of a sudden start chasing a Super Bowl aggressively, like ultra aggressively right now. As I've kind of said for a couple of years now, 2025 is really the target window. And yes, Green Bay advanced that with their play towards the end of last season. There's no question about that. They should absolutely be going out and trying to compete for a Super Bowl this year. No question about it. But this is also not a scenario where you need to get so ultra aggressive that you're going into win now mentality again and trying to you know mortgage so much of the future that you're closing windows down the road to try to open one now. That's probably a little over aggressive. So I think Goody's right in this mentality of hey, you know, he never looks at it as just one player away. You're always looking to add talent. This is he probably was dying to say roster building is a 365 day a year process, even though he didn't say it. And I agree with him. I think this is the right way to look at it, especially with the 2024 season. My overall thought on the defensive side of the ball is he wants to build depth and competition on defense. I think he wants to legitimately follow that offensive blueprint. And I think he wants to get a ton of players that have versatility that are going to add to the rooms and that are going to press everyone at every position to be a better version of themselves very much like the offense did again in 2023. He was also asked about the additional salary cap space, you know, and the first thing he said is that, you know, usually they're pretty on top of things, but this one was a surprise. And he said it was a very pleasant surprise, but he also made mention of two things. One that what he's been saying all along and what we talked about in our salary cap preview is that if green Bay wanted to go out and get free agents before they had this new windfall of cash from a higher salary cap than they were expecting, 
they had the ability to do so. So from an over from an overall salary cap standpoint, I don't think this changed the mentality, and that's specifically what Goody said as well. He also basically stated that what this will allow them to do, and I'm I'm paraphrasing a bit here for Goody, but basically is they're looking at it, at it from a restructure standpoint and probably not having to do as many restructures, which is, again, exactly what we talked about a couple days ago. I believe that what Green Bay is still able to do is open up as much cap space as they need to if they want to, like if the right player comes along and they have the ability to get that player, they will do so. They are in a position to go and get any free agent that they want. If the right player is interested in Green Bay and the numbers fit, Green Bay will go out and do that. I have zero question about that whatsoever. But what this extra money allows them to do is not have to restructure a bunch of players and add void years to stuff and make it so that you have these really, you know, ugly contracts for some players that you don't want to have ugly contracts for in the foreseeable future. And that also gives you huge flexibility potentially in 2025 and 2026, where if you do want to go a little bit more all in, if you do want to go a little bit more win now, if you do want to add some significant players to your roster, you should be able to do that. I think this is going to be a best of both worlds where Green Bay can do some shopping, but they can also get right fiscally and make it so that they have more flexibility moving forward. That's what I got from Brian Gutekinds. That's what I sort of expected it to be, uh, but we kind of got a little bit of a confirmation on that as well from Goody on Tuesday. Next, we need to talk about David Bakhtiari. And again, we've talked about this conversation almost like every single freaking day, so don't want to dig into it too much. But basically, he said he has not made a move yet because he hasn't had to make a move yet. He did say that he wants something done prior to you know the league year starting, which is in basically like a couple weeks. So what? Like, let's read between the lines here a little bit. And what does this ultimately mean? What it means to me is, A, that they want something done before the league year, very clear and obvious. It also likely means to me that they have something that they've probably offered to Bakhtiari in terms of like, take it or leave it. Here's what we're willing to do. Listen, nothing's going to change with Bakhtiari's injury in the next two weeks. We, I'm fairly certain in saying that. It's not like he's all of a sudden going to be like, oh, it's all better. He's still a ways away by all accounts from being clear of this injury issue. So I don't think Green Bay is going to get any injury clarity between now and the start of the new league year, which again is, you know, prior to free agency starting and everything like that, just in a few weeks from now, two weeks from now. So that's not going to change that they're not going to get any clarity on. So what's the only thing that can change in two weeks? The only thing that can change in two weeks would be Bakhtiari's contract. And again, my estimation here, my guess here is that the Packers have talked to Bakhtiari and his agent and probably made him some low offer and said, Hey, here's what we're willing to do. And just, this is a pure hypothetical. I'm not saying this is what it is, but probably something of like, Hey, we're willing to bring you back on a minimum deal with some incentives. And if you want to take that, you can, and we'd love to have you back in green Bay, but we can't do the contract that you're on right now. And my guess is it's in Bakhtiari and his agent's court. My guess is that they've probably turned down some of those overtures from, you know, for now, since nothing's been done. But that to me is probably what Goody is waiting on. It is the ability to, for, for, you know, Bakhtiari and his agent and the Packers to figure out a deal that would potentially make sense for both, you know, for both sides. And if that does not happen, Bakhtiari likely is going to be gone. My overall expectation here is that Bakhtiari will be released in the next couple of weeks unless 
they find a very team-friendly deal that both sides are amicable to between now and the start of the new league year. But I'll say it one last time. If I had to guess, I think this ultimately ends up in a release. And I'll say the same thing I've said every time discussing this. It sucks all the way around. I'm sure Bakhtiari would have loved to have retired a Green Bay Packer. I'm sure the Packers would have loved for that to have happened as well. I'm sure everyone would have loved for him to continue to play like an all-pro player and never have this injury issue. It just unfortunately was not the way that it went, and it sucks all the way around. But it sounds like we're going to get some clarity on this sooner rather than later. With that Bakhtiari stuff withstanding and not having a final answer on it yet, we also got uh, you know a, a question for Goody on Rashid Walker. And he was basically asked, is he ready to be left tackle number one? And Goody said, I think he's already shown that. And I agree with them. And we've talked about this as well of Rashid Walker is ready to take that next step. He played really well at left tackle in the second half of last season. I think there is a significant upside there for him still to hit. You know, Goody has talked about that, you know, Rashid still needs to improve and that there's still a lot of opportunity for growth there. Matt LaFleur's talked about it as well, but there is a ton of potential. And if last season, especially the second half of last season for Rashid Walker was like the floor now, like he's set the standard and things only get better, you're in a really, really good spot. And that is also a telling sign. If Green Bay had this huge gap at left tackle, well, then maybe you get a little bit more desperate in trying to bring Bakhtiari back. But if Goody is being honest, and I think he is, that they legitimately feel like they already have a left tackle one in Rashid Walker, that changes the calculus with Bakhtiari. He also did mention that he thought the he thought overall that the best position in this draft was tackle and offensive line. That changes things as well. And they have a lot of draft picks. And I have a feeling Goody likes to attack the positions that are strong. Offensive line, he said, is the strongest. I think they're going to add players via the draft. They have a a potential number one guy in Rashid Walker. And I think this also sort of leads to the tea leaf reading of it's probably not going to be too much longer, unfortunately, for David Bakhtiari in Green Bay. He also sent a pretty strong message to Anders Carlson. He said, you know, again, he talked about competition, but quote, Carlson has to improve. He talked about, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, not in great detail, but he talked about that Green Bay is ready to compete for a Super Bowl and they have the you know the foundation to do that. With that comes the need for better special teams and accurate kicking. It is really hard if you don't have an accurate kicker to really meet the high-end expectations of your team because games are going to come down to field goals, extra points. Like The NFL is just so close right now with teams like you can get beat any given week and these games are coming down to the wire and in one missed extra point, one missed field goal can be the difference between a win or a loss. And we saw how important that missed field goal was against the 49ers in San Fran in the divisional round with an opportunity to go to the NFC championship game. So it was very clear. Again, this is another theme of competition throughout his, his conversations throughout the day. I think they're going to bring in legitimate competition, and it is very clear that this organization knows that Carlson has to get better, and if he doesn't, they're probably going to have to go in a different direction. He also talked about the quarterback position uh, for a variety of different ways, but we'll start with a, an interesting one. He talked about Sean Clifford and really the, the quarterback development, and we'll start with Clifford. He said, quote, that he can be the number two quarter. He's already proven he can be the number two quarterback and maybe more than that, which is an interesting quote. But he was very complimentary of Sean Clifford and what he was able to accomplish as a rookie. And it seems very clear that they are high on Sean Clifford and at minimum his ability to be the backup in Green Bay. However, 
He also brought up the fact that he would love to get back to drafting multiple quarterbacks and continuing to develop that quarterback room. And this is a very, you know, um, you know, Ron Wolf, you know, process, right? He would always take guys, whether it was Matt Hasselbeck or Aaron Brooks or, uh, you know, going back even further than that, even, you know, Kyle Wachholz, Ronnie Makeda. And I think, I don't think one of those guys ultimately transitioned to tight end. If I remember correctly, it doesn't matter. They were constantly drafting QBs, um, you know, Mark Brunel, Aaron Brooks, like so many guys. And, you know, that, that was just something that they continued to do through the course of time and was just part of their DNA. And they hit on a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys became starters for other teams. And that was a huge part of their process. And it is clear that Goody wants to get back to doing a little bit more of that. And do not be surprised at all if you see a quarterback selected on day three of the draft. But again, very, very complimentary of Sean Clifford. He also interestingly talked about the running back position and more specifically, the want for a power back. Now, I did not get the impression that this was a necessary sign that, hey, it's going to be A.J. Dillon. He's going to be that power back. But it did very much you know, come across that he thinks that a power back is a great complement to sort of their number one back. And in this case, Aaron Jones, that they would love a power back who can be better in just in the, you know, end zone and, and short yardage situations and a power back who can be very successful in the colder months in, you know, November, December, January at Lambeau field. That'll sort of be interesting to see how they attack that. And I don't know, people's minds will go to maybe AJ Dillon, Maybe their minds go to Derrick Henry, maybe Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, but don't be surprised if Green Bay, and listen, Emmanuel Wilson is a little bit of that as well. He's a bigger back, but we'll see how they address that. And if they do actually go with a bigger, more physical back, either in the draft, free agency, whatever it might be, AJ Dillon bringing him back. But it is clear that that Goody would like a power back to compliment Aaron Jones this upcoming season. Also, do not expect a trade up in round one. Uh, Goody talked about it you know, basically saying like, Hey, in in some situations you need to do it specifically if you need a quarterback and that position is so important, or if it's an ultra premium player, but he said, you know, it's a heavy price to move up and he doesn't generally believe in it. And I, this is another thing I agree with Goody on. You have to be somewhat careful because you do want to be able to trust your ability to go and find elite talent. And sometimes you got to be aggressive to move up and get that elite talent. I'm sure. And I know it worked out now with Aaron Rod or sorry, with Jordan Love, uh, in, in that selection, but I'm sure there was times where maybe Goody was kicking himself a little bit for maybe not being a little bit more aggressive and trying to move up to grab a Justin Jefferson in the draft. Like if he, you know, they, they he, he moved a first and a fourth up to, to get Jordan love, you know, if he moved up first, a second and a fourth, could he have gotten up at the time to draft just, you know, Justin Jefferson, who knows, but like some of those things you have to be careful on. Like I said, that ended up working out really well. Jordan love is the guy. No, nobody's second guessing that really anymore, but I'm sure like some of those situations happen where you're like, man, if I just would have maybe been a little bit more aggressive, I could have got a, a, you know, potential hall of fame type player at the same token. What can sometimes happen is you are really, really high in a player and you aggressively move up and you trade multiple picks to go up and get that player. Well, now if that player busts, you really lost a lot of potential capital by going up aggressively to get that player. I think more often than not, you're better sticking with where you're at and using your scouting evaluation abilities to go and find the best players available with all of those picks and have more swings at things. It's not always the case. It's not a perfect science. Sometimes you need to move up. Sometimes you need to move down. Sometimes you need to stay where you're at. But I think those ultra aggressive moves up the draft board, you do have to be really, really cautious with 
And so I, like, I agree with Goody and I would not expect to trade up in round one. Some other miscellaneous stuff. Uh, he seems very excited about uh, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft playing together as we all are mentioned that, you know, Kraft really didn't come on until the second half of the season when Musgrave was hurt. And we really had really haven't had the opportunity to see those guys play together a ton yet, at least since Kraft broke out. So like everyone else in Packers Nation, Goody very excited for, for Kraft and Musgrave. He was also asked if Christian Watson is wide receiver number one. He said he doesn't really get into the wide receiver one talk. But once again, guess what he talked about? Competition at the wide receiver position. Also gave Matt LaFleur a ton of credit for utilizing the wide receivers at the best of their skill sets to put them in positions to be successful. And he thought Matt did a tremendous job of that this past season. He praised Jordan Love for all of his hard work and really went over the fact that the guys really want to play for Jordan and that that's something that you can't teach and he just has it said that he's likely going to be in, in discussions with Jordan Love's agent this week in Indianapolis, uh, believes that the Packers have the foundation to win the Super Bowl like we discussed earlier, and he did throw a little shade maybe the you know Detroit Lions way by saying that this is not a franchise that raises divisional you know round banners for winning the division, uh, which we know that the Detroit Lions, of course, just recently did. But this was in conversation of, you know, can the Packers be competitive for a Super Bowl this year? And again, he thinks that the foundation is there. It's one of those questions like, what is he supposed to say? Yeah, you know, I don't think we're there yet. Of course, he's going to say so. Um, you know, he said so going into last year and when nobody believed him and he ultimately was kind of right. They were competing last year. But uh, awesome, awesome stuff from Goody. I think we did get some key takeaways. My ultimate key takeaways from this. They want the defense and the competition and the depth and the rebuild thing to look very similar to the offense from last year. Competition, competition, competition. You could tell he he very much fell in love with what uh, all the competitions that took place again in 2023. And I think he wants to repeat that in 2024 and just kind of build out the depth of the team. A Bakhtiari decision is coming soon. And do not expect the Packers way to change anytime in the near future. If you're somebody that's hoping for aggressive trades and big free agent signings, I'm expecting a very Packers off season building via those five top 100 picks in the draft, not being super aggressive and moving up, probably taking some guys that maybe weren't the highest on your specific draft board, but Packers are going to follow their own board, probably going to get some value free agent signings after the first wave and do things the very Green Bay Packer way. Don't expect that to change anytime soon. As I mentioned, extra episode coming out today, uh, talking about a potential T Higgins trade. It's just a fun episode. You're not going to want to miss that one. Of course, we've got the daily draft with Ross Uglum. We've got Dusty Steve and Sarah on the audio podcast. We've got everything. So subscribe, like, comment, become a Packaday podcast YouTube member. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wilde, Shea Dad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, David McCluskey, Donald Decker, and Flixen, Gasfeld, Elabar Bremen. I will see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Go!